0: morning good afternoon again wherever you are we are tpm back here for our podcast we are tpm thank you guys for tuning in once again this is john and kyle to some local property managers here in dfw texas just uh shooting the stuff about uh, our knowledge and experience in, in real estate and investing and how to build wealth for you and your family. Um, so if at any point during this podcast you're interested in anything we talk about, want to talk to us, want anything else, uh, shoot us an email at showmethemoneyatwertpm.com or give us a call at 817-818-9147 and let's get into it. Our topic today is... Since we are in the same studio of the historic About Mansfield podcast, we're going to steal that name a little bit. And this one is about hard money.
1: About hard money. How huh? are we going to shoot the stuff about hard money? We're
0: shoot the stuff. Yeah.
1: All right. I love it. So, hard money, we've used. To keep uh, it G
0: rated, right?
1: We've. <laughs> 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 What is hard money, Kyle? Is it is it uh, Steve asked me if it was uh, pennies, nickels, dimes, and quarters.
0: I mean, you could refer to that as hard money, too. It's hard, right? You know, it's hard to acquire, hard to use, hard to... Hard, hard to, to use, <laughs> hard to keep hard around, to carry around, hard to store, hard
1: hard, hard to buy to real estate with.
0: <laughs> My down payment is in pennies. Is that okay? Oh, no. <laughs> I love
1: it. So I guess, you know, the purpose of this is we're, we're going to introduce you to what hard money is, why you're going to use it, and when you're going to use it, Right. And so, and this is for specifically for investing in real estate.
0: Yeah, and it's a great tool. I mean, if you're an experienced investor, you you know have a big portfolio. Portfolio. There's a very good chance you know what hard money is or have used it before. Um, but for those of you that don't, this is oftentimes. You know, part of the answer to the question of how do people do this, or how do how do they get access to do these deals and all this stuff that um, sometimes really just comes down to a, a tool you may not know about or that other people are using. So, and what is that tool? What is hard money? Well, specify it let's it's specified a, a little more.
1: Yeah, no, it's a private loan, basically, right? Usually, um, individuals and in small corporations. Will They have money that they want to invest, right? That they want to, this is how they make money off of their money, right? Just like a bank does. Mm -hmm. Um, So instead of them doing the work of doing like a fix and flip or buying or finding real estate, they let the rest of us do it, use their money, just like banks do. And they make a little bit of money off of that, off of lending their money out.
0: Well, it just sounds too easy. But I bet everyone's now wondering why don't you do this all the time on every deal? Like what? Well, the-
1: well you you can if you want, but but there's there's pros and cons just like anything else, right? Mm-hmm. There's pros and cons to all of these things. So let's let's talk about a little bit more about what it is, Kyle. Um, it's a short-term loan, usually about twelve months, right? Um, I've seen. I've seen small, uh, shorter and longer, but they're usually 12-month loans.
0: Yeah, and I want to dive into the private part you said because, you know, this is to specify. This isn't just a loan. You go into a bank and ask, hey, I need a hard money loan. Um, it's called a private loan, and it's called hard money because if w- whatever deal you're taking it into or whatever purpose you have for it is it, that deal is treated as if that cash is yours. That's why it's hard money. It's like you now have access to that much uh, spendable cash, when in reality, you it's it's never collateralized by the same deal you're spending it in.
1: You know, I always wonder where the term hard money came from. I think that where the term hard money, actually, the reason why it's been attached to this type of a lending is because it's the closest thing to hard cash as you can get. And when you put in deals, and we're going to get into this as, as to some of the whys later on, but when you're doing deals, when you could offer cash... It just it makes the deal easier, faster, and with hard money, you can do them very fast. Mm -hmm. But
0: it's cold hard cash.
1: It's cold hard cash. We're getting ahead of ourselves, though. That's (laughs) all in the wise part. We're still talking about what is it, right? It's a short term loan, usually about twelve months, interest only.
0: Yeah, interest only payments.
1: Yep, interest only payments. Interest is really high on these things. The now keep in mind they're meant to be short term loans for a purpose. So the interest is really high, not as high as a credit card, but almost 10 to 14% is is what I've – and I've used these quite a bit. Um, uh, and that's typically where, where I've found them to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really high rates and high costs because it's meant to be a buffer, right? When you're using it, it's, it should be intended to be a buffer. you you, I, I assume, or, or know very well that most of these deals don't actually make it twelve months, right? They get refinanced out, and we'll get into that um, a little bit later. But it's it's a lot of money um, to risk, so you got to know the risks.
1: Yeah, you you need to know the total costs of these loans, no matter what kind of loan you do, so that you can figure that expense into your deal, mm. right? That's that's part of your bottom line and the time horizon for you
0: exactly, know.
1: exactly. So sometimes when you're in a really predictable market, you know it's easier to do this. When you're in an unpredictable market, sometimes you got to build a little bit more in. but understanding what the different costs are are, are to these loans are really important. Um, upfront costs, so there's some upfront points a lot of times mm. to these loans. Um, I'm not finding that right now because we're in a really competitive market and hard money lenders are having a hard time finding people to lend to because there's just not as many deals out there right now.
0: And there's a lot of liquidity, yeah, and they're they're all looking a place to get returns for their cash for sure. Yep. So
1: yep. All right, well, that's what they are, right? So now why do I use them? Why would I use them? Why wouldn't I use them? Let's talk about that, Kyle.
0: Yeah, no, and we can talk about... Why, use, why we use them? Um, I'd say there's a lot of reasons, but the buffer, I take it back to the buffer. Like if uh, one point that we didn't hit is you have to, you generally pretty much always these loans come in at 70 to 75% LTV. That's loan to value, meaning they'll give you uh, a hard that hard money loan up to 70 to 75 percent of what the home is worth <laughs> or it's after repaired value is, is i should correct that the retail value of the property once uh, it's repaired so say you you got a distressed property needs repairs needs all this stuff um and you know that if this house fully repaired is worth 250 and you're you know looking to get it uh, wholesale or whatever uh they're offering it at 180 as is right so that puts you under the 70, 75 percent mark, just just barely. Oh, well, let me do that math. Am I am I doing that right? Let's see, one forty plus. Uh, <laughs> I like to use numbers that are easy to do math. So at two hundred thousand, so one thirty five, you, or one seventy five. One seventy five is the mark at, at seventy. So. Um, But basically, if you can get the hard money for 175, if that's all they're asking for, you get that much in hard money. You repair it. uh, You spend that time. You try to repair it, get it, get it up to value as quickly as you can. And then, if you can get an appraiser out there to tell you, you know, you fixed it, this property, and all that, and now it's worth 260. Now, a mortgage lender will give you a mortgage at you know 240 and or whatever, and pay off that 175.
1: That sounded a little bit complicated, Kyle a little Did bit. Did I make it too complicated? I think you made it sound complicated because it's, it's easy. It's This is a lot easier. So I want people to understand how how easy this process is. First of all, a good hard money lender, you should have a relationship with them just like you do your banker, mm-hmm. right? So when you do this, a good hard money lender, is he's got your back. He's not going to just give you money like for nothing. He's got to know that you have some either some experience or that you're going to follow through, that you've got some some level of follow through in this deal. And it's important to remember that they're making this decision exactly the way you described it, but just I think a little bit simpler. It's asset based, right? Mm-hmm. It's strictly asset based. It's not based on credit or income. It's only based on that asset. And that ARV that you were just describing, right? So some apprais some, I'm sorry, some hard money lenders will actually have the home appraised before they give you money. My hard money lender um, has done that to me at times, but for typically, you know, for, for the most, most of the time he doesn't. Um, but they are usually in that 70 to 75% of the after repaired value range just like you de- you described. There's no appraisal done afterwards or anything. Just basically you buy the home, you close on it. If that lender agrees to work with you on that, you fix it up. Or if you buy it cheap enough, that hard money lender will even give you funds to fix it up sometimes. yeah. And then you sell it and pay off that loan just like anything else.
0: Yeah. And that's a- another way of describing it too. Um, and th- the hard money lender, like, you know, getting back to the why. Say you have cash and you want to use your own cash. Well, using other people's money is always a good consideration. But say mm-hmm. you don't have enough to do both. You yeah, maybe you have all the cash you need to get to get it for what they're asking for, um, but you don't have the fifty grand to fix it up. Well, you can get the money to buy it from the hard money lender and use your own money to fix it up, yep, right? Uh, that's Because right. vice versa, it's more risky. You may, maybe, you may bet on the hard money lender giving you a difference for repairs, and then he doesn't. And now, what are you doing? So, yeah,
1: and repairs never go as planned, do they, Kyle? Oh, like, always, hundred percent, as more.
0: expected. Yep. No problem. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, there is <laughs> always surprises in a in a flip renovation. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. You know, uh, sometimes you come in. 20 grand down, over and sometimes 20 grand under, you know? So um, knowing your risks is important in, in all the investing we talk about, even though this is not financial advice. We are not financial advisors, but
1: <laughs> oh, we forgot. Does that work? Maybe. Is we, that where we're going to put our disclaimer in there?
0: I feel like if you disclaim it, it's a disclaimer. So, you know.
1: Done. So, one, one of mark. the other reasons, Kyle, to, to let's get back to why. One of the other reasons why we would use this. This is one of the biggest reasons, besides the fact that it's asset-based, right? You don't have any income or credit qualifications, right? We're just looking at the deal.
0: Uh, that varies by the lender, but yes.
1: Most hard money lenders are strictly look at it asset-based. Some of them may have some qualifi- additional qualifications, but for the most part,
0: that's what it is. But as far as your income, they do look at your repayability. No, they don't.
1: Okay, Private money does, which is different, but hard money lenders are strictly asset based. So, funding—you can fund this fast in days. Some of them claim that they can fund in two, three days, and have actually done that with hard money. But recently, that they've been takes some effort.
0: Less than twenty-four hours. So, I mean, it can get to that quick. Yeah, so. it
1: absolutely can. It allows you to be able to bring something down quickly. Like, I don't know if there's a pending maybe a pending foreclosure or a pending bankruptcy sale or something pending that you've only got a few days and you've got to take it down quickly, right? Mm -hmm. This allows you to do that.
0: Yeah. And some, some investors look at it more of a convenience tool, right? Like say you do have, so you got a 500 grand sitting, sitting worth of cash, right? And you don't need these hard money lenders or that's what you say. Well, if you have that much cash, you should probably be have it should probably be sitting somewhere where it's, you're getting returns on your money. Most places you get returns on your money aren't liquid within 24 hours and into a escrow account. Right? So you can use that, um, as the confidence to put money forth for these deals and lock them down. Uh, so you can liquidate your own cash or not. So, or wherever it may be. So you don't have to worry about, hey, I need to have this available for what I'm planning to do next week. So,
1: yeah, we talk a lot about liquidity, I guess, as an investor. I mean, coming from the investor side, why would an investor do this, I guess, is what you're talking about. And I guess, you know, yeah, it, you, you're going to get your money back within 12 months. That's the liquidity rate, you know, is a 12-month li- liquidity rate. Um, well, the, Kyle, those, those I guess, those are the main reasons why you're going to do it, right? Is qualification,
0: fast funding, right? Um, well, it's... One of the probably the biggest re- reason um, that some newer investors or starting out investors might do it is it's the only way to acquire a subject property. Some deals are off market or wholesale or, or whatever it may be, or cash only. Um, so if your option is cash only and you don't have enough cash, it pretty much limits your options to, I need cash to get this deal. Um, and that's, that's where hard money comes in is that, that tie between the two.
1: You're absolutely right. And most, as you know, most wholesalers, And investors, when they say cash only, they usually say cash or hard money only because Mm -hmm. to them, hard money is like cash. The time to close is the same as if it's cash, right? We still have to do title search. We still have to do some due diligence whether we're paying cash or not. Um, So that amount of time that it takes to do that is all the amount of time that we need to close. A hard money lender can get it closed just as fast. Mm Um, all right, so when are we going to use this? The obvious, obvious time when we're going to use this is exactly what these loans were designed for, and that is for fix and flips. Mm-hmm. You know, you buy something that needs to be repaired, you're going to repair it, and you're going to sell it hopefully at a profit.
0: Yeah, and, and in a personal example, we always seem to come back to my first home purchase, right? Mm-hmm. And we used hard money to get my first home, um, and that was because. Like you just said, it's fix and flip deal. You find, I found something uh, at a good, you know, needed some work and all that, but at a good discount, um, you get hard money, get it, spend, it, spend. It was also
1: one of those wholesale deals we just talked about that they were only accepting cash. Yeah. yeah so we couldn't even, even if we could have done a conventional loan on it, our seller was not accepting that kind of a. Uh, an
0: offer, and that's why when we every time we talk about this deal, it's uh, it, it was a lot of complexity to it. But in reality, the complexity was just step by step of, of the process of using these tools. We used the hard money loan to get to acquire the property, and I used cash to fix up the property. And then once it was fixed and could appraise a month or two later, I got a mortgage. And well, it's really at you that you point refinanced you refinance it it into, it into a conventional into a loan. Conventional loan yep. Correct. And even better, most of the time, if the hard money guy won't give you past 75%, then after I fix it up, the assumption is now I'll be at 100%, right? Uh, I can usually avoid PMI because PMI or mortgage insurance isn't required past 20% equity. So generally, when you do these deals like I did, um, you can make your uh, ultimate refinance of a mortgage, Uh, at a cheaper rate, avoiding PMI.
1: Especially if you don't need that cash you put into it for the repairs, back out of it. So these are all things that you would need to talk to your lender about if you were planning to do this. But what we're talking about right now is kind of buy and hold, fix it, repair it. I mean, I'm sorry, fix it and refinance it so you can hang on to it as either a primary residence or a rental property. You could do either one. I would suggest before you do this, and this is your strategy, To talk to whoever's going to do your loan first so that you understand the difference in interest rate and the difference in requirements, because there are some differences in how you initially take the property down, meaning how did I initially purchase it? And and then am I using my own money? Do I need that cash back out? All of those things change the interest rate that you end up at, or when you could actually refinance.
0: Yeah. And it makes, like you mentioned, uh, the primary residence thing that does make, it should be considered. It it should all be considered. You should definitely talk to all pieces of this process before you actually do it. um, Because if you don't achieve what I just described, like, this, this deal was my personal residence and I did beat that 20% mark. But say I didn't beat that 20% mark with the renovations and everything I did. Um, and it was an investment property. I already had a primary residence mortgage. Well, in most lenders, I'm not going to say this is universal, but pretty much would be, um, will only give you the investment property refinance if it's past uh, 80% equity. So, or 20% equity, sorry, uh, and 80% loan to value. So you could be getting yourself stuck in a hard place. If you, uh, say it appraises for, um, 85%, you're, you're off by 5%. Well, now you got a high interest only, um, you know, hard money loan that's due in 12 months, um, that you're paying and you're not paying down the principal at all. And you're having trouble refinancing it unless you can kick in 5% more value. Um, at least in today's market, just wait 30 days, but, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> just kidding. Mm-hmm. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> that's that
1: has been true lately, but, but yeah, just, I mean, it's really that simple, right? So buy it, Take it down, get it, get it repaired as quickly as possible, right? And then talk to your lender before you buy it so that you know how you're going to refinance it. Sometimes it's best to wait six months, right? You get a better interest rate if you've owned it for six months. Yeah. I, I think it's important for people to talk to both their hard money lender and their, and their conventional lender about their plan and what they're planning to do. People... I find people, Kyle, are so afraid to tell their lender what they're trying, what they're planning to do, as if as if their lender's not going to want to do it, right? Like they they don't look as their lender as their partner, and they're afraid to tell them, like, well, we're not going to tell them what we're going to do. No, you need to tell them exactly what you're going to do, so he can lay out the obstacles for you and help you get navigate where you want to navigate.
0: Yeah, if you have that fear, I mean, you're not. That's a bad relationship with your lender. I mean, you, there's a world of, of lenders out there. If you, if if you have that fear, then there's a problem. You probably need a new one or something like that. Because yes, that should be. Uh, you you should need to be able to trust. Ah, uh, the information you get from your lender and the guidance you get, uh, because that is what actually puts the deal together, ends up at his underwriter. And those, you know, when things get that deep in the process to where it goes to underwriting, and you get a surprise because you didn't ask a question or he didn't advise you right or any of that stuff, that's the worst case scenario. You don't want that. So,
1: well, you're absolutely right, Kyle. I just think that though people sometimes look at their lender as an adversary and not a partner that's really what it comes down to. And, and so I would just encourage you what we're talking about right now can be complicated. If you don't talk through it with somebody, it's a pretty simple process. Actually, as long as you understand it, as long as you talked through with your hard money lender, what your plan is, what you're buying, how long you're going to hang on to it for, and what's your, what's your strategy leaving it. And then talking to that lender that's going to do your conventional loan about, okay, here's how I'm buying it. Here's the name I'm buying it under. All these things are important. Um, here's how much I'm putting down. Here's what I expect it to be worth when I'm done. Here's how much I plan to put into the repairs. What is my strategy going to be when I plan to flip this into or refinance this into a conventional loan?
0: yeah knowing all pieces of that process. and when you mention lender or conventional lender we're we're really talking about having a good relationship with a mortgage lender um, because you can get mortgages from the bank. we're not and that's a lot where the the fear I think comes in in perspective is it's we're not talking about a banker and talking to your banker and giving I mean, you do what you want, but the specialty of a mortgage lender, uh, has its pros of they have an underwriting department. Most of the time that they know how that underwriting department's going to operate. They know how they're going to operate. They know what they can do to a higher level than some banker that once you get the deal 30 days from now and, you know, say it's a big bank and they're like, Oh, well, 30 days ago, we could have done that. But, uh, now we have this new rule and this underwriting department got strict and, you know, things change.
1: Oh, we could do an entire
0: podcast yeah. <laughs> on the difference between bank underwriting and mortgage underwriting. But we, we'll, <laughs> we'll leave <laughs> we that. Yeah, We won't go there. We'll, we'll bring do Trevor it. back but, in for that one if we need to. There so. <laughs> you go. That's
1: it. So, hey, one other way that I've heard of other people doing this, um, this buy and hold strategy, using hard money for buy and hold which is really not what it's designed for, right? So you're really kind of taking something and, and, and tweaking it a little bit. But I have heard of people buying properties on an, um, uh, with their LLC. Okay. And then selling it to themselves. So they buy it at the LLC using hard money. Hard money lender does not care. Usually, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You can buy it under whatever name you want. They just want you to do a personal guarantee on it. But I could do it under ABC LLC, right? And then I can, and then I could sell it to myself, right? And and put I put my own money into it. I could sell it to myself, um, and now I have a conventional loan with purchase terms which are better than. Then refinance terms. Sometimes in this kind of scenario, um, it's just a better. I've heard of people doing it. I've never done that myself, um, but I, I know that it's something that can be done.
0: Yeah, that is a method, and and I think it's important to to point out the difference that the hard money lender, while may while he may be involved in the deal or the details, might be involved in the deal a little bit that relationship's important because like the personal guarantee and the details behind your loan and your uh, deal with that hard money lender aren't presented to, you know, the deal of the property, right? Where it would be in a mortgage situation. So um, that relationship's important from both sides so that you, uh, you know, you know what you're doing and you don't open yourself up for, to be taken advantage of. So I do think it's important to warn that this, Industry, while it is very, you know, important to our industry, um, and very valuable. There is a dark part of it that you got to make sure. You just you know, make sure you, uh,
1: you, watch. you need to align yourself, just like in anything else you do in life, with really great professionals mm-hmm. that have a lot of integrity. I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell you, Kyle. You know this. I've worked with pretty much the same hard money lender. Um, Whenever I've needed one I have had one or two others that I've used, but for the most part I've used um, The same guy. I love this guy to death Um, he's sometimes too conservative and Sometimes kind of hard-nosed and old-school, but you know what I trust him and He's gonna sometimes set me straight when I'm not looking at things correctly on a certain deal and there's been times because he trusts me that he's bent his rules a little bit for me because he's like, well, you know what, John? I don't agree with you, but, you know, you've you've never not followed through. And that's really what they want is they're looking for, you know, a relationship where they know somebody can follow through under any circumstance because yeah, was- they don't want the property back either, right?
0: Yeah, and they want to trust experience too, not just their own. I mean, it gives you confidence. That's why they're always yep. blowing up real estate professionals and stuff like that. I mean, how many hard money lenders call us per day? Um. <laughs> you know what? There's more
1: and more out there because there's more money out there, right? That people need to know, need something to do with. They need some, they want some real estate um, backed investment to put their money into because that feels, you know, just what we talk about a lot, how. Real estate is just—it's just a more solid investment than the volatility of the stock market. But there's a lot of lenders out there. There's a lot of wholesalers out there. There's a lot of HGTV, excuse me, people and shows, and it just looks fun, mm-hmm. right? That they, they glamorize it, they make it look fun on TV. Um, but anybody can do this. This is. These hard money lenders are not hard to find. Finding one that you mess with, that you trust, that has a lot of integrity, sometimes that could be hard to find.
0: Mm -hmm. And I I brought up that there's a lot of risk to these deals. What I meant by that is there's a lot of risk if you don't look at – if you don't analyze it, right? Mm. Um, It's actually – you know, if all the pieces work out and you you have the experience to look at something and say, This is how it's gonna go, I'm confident in it, and you know, the risk on that process not happening is low, then the risk of the loan is low and the, the overall risk is low. Um, I guess what I'm saying is the the requirements of hard money loans, if if you get surprises down the road and stuff, then you know, it, it can table. Or a snowball one. <laughs> Tablefall? Tablefall. I don't what, know where what I are I got we got that one from. What are we doing Maybe it's snowballed yeah. onto snowballing a snowballing table tables? Yeah. Tables or yeah, rolling
1: down snow. What's happening here? <laughs> What's going on?
0: Well, and on the flip side, this wasn't the, our point of this topic, but in reality, if you have a whole bunch of cash and have this these expert this expertise and, and these types of things, you can take the other side of hard money. I mean, it's not um it's it's good. To, way to get returns on your cash if okay. you want to go that if way. If you have cash
1: and you want to do this hard money thing, and you've never done it and you don't know much much about it, then you should not do it. What you should do <laughs> is you should partner with a hard money lender and say, "Hey, I got X amount of cash. I'd like to have you invest it for me." That's what you should do because there are a lot of intricacies. These guys that do this, they know exactly what they're doing. They know how to protect themselves. They know how to secure the property properly. They, they have the proper, um, the proper loan docs and everything. So it's not something just anybody with money wants to get into that's, but, but there are so many people out there willing to use your money. It'd be easy to reach out to us, send us an email to that, show me the money at WeAreTPM.com, and we will put you in touch with a great hard money lender. If you have interest in using hard money, if you've got money (laughs) laying around, like Kyle said, and you want to talk to a hard money lender about using it, um, either way, send us an email to that email address, and we'll we'll direct you in the right direction. Love it. Yeah. Anything else? I don't have anything else about hard money. It's pretty simple. Why do you want to use it? To lock something down quickly, right? You need to close
0: fast. Yeah, you need cash, you need to close fast, you need you can't you can't use a mortgage on a deal. Um, you know, speed. It's
1: expensive. Here's the bottom line. It's expensive, so it needs to be you need to have a, a quick turn time as turn quick as possible. So if you're doing a fix and flip, this is why these guys on those TV shows are under so much pressure to get things done so quickly. It's usually they don't tell you why. They always say, Oh, we got to get this done in four weeks. Well, yeah, they got to get it done in four weeks because they're using somebody else's money at 15% interest. Mm -hmm. And the longer that they have that thing sitting there, the more money it's costing them. And I'll tell, I'm here to tell you as somebody that's done somewhere between 40 to 50 flips myself, that's a tough way to make money. It's a really hard way to make money.
0: Yeah. And I mean, if you have a two month timeline versus a four month timeline makes a Big difference can make a very big difference to your bottom line if yep. you're using hard money. Um, not yep. saying it'll kill your bottom line, but yeah, you know, it does does make a difference. So it does consider it. all things.
1: Most investors do not give this hard money expense enough credit. What I mean by that is they don't figure in enough into their. You know, they do a very simple, okay. I'm gonna buy, I'm gonna sell it for 200 grand. I'm gonna buy it for 150. I'm gonna put 10 into it. That leaves me 40. Yeah, well, you got a lot more closing costs than that. And when you're all said and done, after you end up paying this hard money loan and any possible real estate expenses you have from commissions, title fees home warranties, whatever else, you'd be, you'd be lucky to walk away with five grand in that example that I just gave you. Mm-hmm. And and so it's important if you're going to use hard money, if you're going to use private money, whatever you're going to use, that you understand exactly how much it's going to cost you and you figure it in properly.
0: Yep, yep. And it comes down to no excuses. It's a tool that gives... The- you know, alleviates a lot of excuses. I had a, a conversation with a friend recently about uh, hard money, actually. And that's that's what I told him because it, it starts with, um, you know, I see I see these deals all the time or I found this property and I want to flip it and I could do this and I could make so much money and I could be great at it. Um, the only thing that's stopping me is I can't, you know, how do people do this? I can't acquire this. I can't, you know, and then I told him about hard money and I'm like, well, these deals you're talking about meet the 70%. L T V so um.
1: well that's the hard part right now. So and, and our market, just like every market, ebb and flows, right? So one of the things that that affects this market is the number of investors that are in it, mm-hmm. right? So when you have a lot of investors, they have a tendency to overpay. You got people coming from our different, our, our two coasts, right, with a whole bunch of money because they just closed on their $1.5 million, you know, 2,000 square foot home. And and then they come here and they think that they, they're going to buy two or three houses, right? Well, that's hard for somebody to compete with when you have a whole bunch of people doing that. And they're they're so eager to buy something that they overpay.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's
1: hard to find something below that 70 or 75 percent mark because of that.
0: Especially in a weird world where uh, you know, big investors, big banks are looking for somewhere to park their cash. So, um, they'll park their cash at a little bit overpriced when they know they're getting negative returns where it's sitting. Um, and the real estate market is not getting negative returns. So, I mean, it's a, it's a cost consideration and, um, especially when you get into a lot of zeros, parking your cash, uh, (laughs) becomes a priority. So, yeah,
1: it does. It does. So if you are, um, If you're interested in learning more about how to use hard money to acquire a property, to fix and flip, whatever you want, I'm a good person to reach out to. I've got a lot of experience with it. Um, Reach out to me at that email address. What's that email address again, Kyle?
0: Show me the money at weartpm.com. That is A-R-E, not R. Weartpm.com.
1: Weartpm. All right, Kyle.
0: (laughs) All right. To close this out? Yeah, let's go get a hard money deal. All right. <laughs> Just kidding. But uh, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next week with another John to because I'm really tired of this one. But otherwise, thank you for tuning in. <laughs>